What's going on, coaches? Been a really fun few weeks. I uh, got to travel down to Arkansas to go watch Jay Wilkinson play in the state championship, uh, throw for 475 yards, didn't quite get it done, but unbelievable game. Uh, big shout-out also Coach Walls. Uh, they didn't get it done either, but uh, played an unbelievable state championship game. And then a big shout-out to my old head coach, Coach Alexander. Uh, they did win state uh, over at Jinx. Uh, and then obviously to Coach Schneider over at Bigsby who won for like the 27th time in a row. So been some really good football. Excited to go watch the semifinals and the finals of the Texas State Championships. Uh, if you guys need anything from us, just reach out to us uh, over at runthepower.com or email coach at runthepower.com. This episode of RTP is brought to you by Team Builder. Great teams win first in the weight room. Ensure your team wins their offseason with the most up-to-date programming and workout delivery software. Team Builder is offering a modern, full-year, 52-week football strength and conditioning program that comes free with any Team Builder trial. Not only does this program include in-season workouts, but also football-specific off-season workouts that prepare your athletes for the high demands of the season. This program focuses on increasing strength, power, and speed, all while reducing the risk of injury. You can get the program once you start a 14-day free trial with Team Builder. Just reach out and tell them that you heard from Rowdy and the RTP podcast, or use the code RTP when you sign up for your free trial at Team Builder, which is teambuildr.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Legend Rings. As coaches, we all know that the best way to represent our big win is with a big championship ring. And the team at Legend Rings wants to help you guys celebrate your regional and state championship title this season. Their goal is to make your championship ring purchase simple, easy, and as we all want, affordable from design to delivery. To get started, please contact your dedicated Run the Power Legacy Builder, Sam Daniel at samd at legendrings.com. Let him know that Run the Power sent you and Legend Rings will make your ring for free. On this episode of RTP brought to you by Legend Rings, we talk with my good friend and former teammate, Josh McNeil. Coach McNeil is the offense coordinator and head powerlifting coach at Magnolia High School in Magnolia, Texas. Listen as we talk with Coach McNeil about our playing days in Houston, what went into him making the jump to coordinator, and about his favorite run game and pass protections. You can follow Coach McNeil on Twitter at McNeil underscore Josh. Hope you guys enjoy. Man, uh, I'm excited. Let's go ahead and get this thing started. Um, I, I'm excited to get to talk some football with you, obviously. Um, I was making a move down here to Texas from Oklahoma. You were one of my guys I reached out to. You were you were more than helpful, um, you know, and, and we hadn't talked a ton over the past few years. We obviously played at Houston together and um, hadn't talked a ton over the past few years, but kept in touch every, every you know, so often. And it was huge that when I reached out to you, you were, like I said, uh, went out of your way to help me and, and help me with contacts and help me uh, find a spot down here. So that was that was huge to me. Um, and so I really appreciate that. I've been keeping up with you and, and what you've been doing and and rising through the ranks from offensive line coach to coordinator and and, uh, you know, sky's the limit, obviously, with you and, and everything you do with football. And and uh, it's been fun to watch, man. So I'm excited to talk some football. So how we always start this is is kind of let you go through and and give everyone your, you know, football journey, if you will, from playing days to uh, coaching and how it brought you to where you are now. No doubt, man. Well, shoot, to kind of piggyback off what you said, man, it's uh, I've been around some great coaches, man. And when you reached out to me and said, like, hey, you were looking and you are interested, you are trying to get this way, uh, I went straight to my head coach and said, coach, I'm telling you, this guy's a stud. He said, well, shoot, Mac, let's get him down here. And uh, like you were saying, man, you wanted to stay up there up north and stuff. And so I'm glad you found you a landing spot and all that. It's going to be – I'm excited to see what you'll do down here in the big state of Texas, man, because there's a lot of opportunities. And uh, football down here, it's, it's king, man. And so kind of a little bit about me. You know, I, I played, obviously, high school football. Uh, it didn't qualify coming out of high school, so I ended up going to the junior college route. I went to Blaine Junior College in 2009. I was blessed, man. I, I, but the time that I showed up, I didn't know anything about Brigham, Texas or Blaine College or anything, but, you know, it was an opportunity to go and continue to get the play and get your education and stuff like that. And uh, 
you know, I got to Blinn and there was, I mean, we had, I want to say we signed 22 guys off of that, off that 2009 roster <laughs> and uh, Cam Newton just happened to be the quarterback, man. And so but when I got there, you know, I, I went from small town Magnolia, you know, I played 4A football and it was, you know, there was there, we saw some dudes, right. But when you go to that junior college and you see the the people that are out there and the, the talent level, how it raised so much, it was, uh, it was definitely an eye opener for me, man. And so, I went to Blend that first year in 2009. Like I said, I was fortunate to be around some really good players, some really good coaches. Uh, won a national championship that first year there at Blend, and then came back for the following year. Um, so I redshirted that first year, and then the, my redshirt freshman year, I ended up playing uh, all 14 games at Blend. And uh, you know, once the once the recruiting deal started happening, it, it's kind of I mean, you know how it is, man. It's hard to know like where you want to go, what you want to do. Everybody's selling you the same stuff everywhere you go, and. Uh, and so I took my visit and uh, I actually committed to Purdue. You know, I felt like it was it was in the Big Ten. It was a good opportunity to get to play. And, uh, you know, the, the coaches did a good job selling it. And it, it just felt like home. And so uh, I went to Purdue. I committed on my visit. I flew back home. And uh, I'll never forget, I was sitting in my dorm room in Blinn. And uh, Coach Summer reached out to me and said, hey, look, we want you to come down and, and, and take a look, check it out, blah, blah, blah. And at that point, man, I was done with the whole recruiting process. I had taken all my visits. I had seen everything and heard everything, and I was I was pretty much just done with it. And he, and, uh, he said, well, look, just come down for the afternoon. Just come down here today. It's, it's 45 minutes from where you are right now. You and your dad come down. We'll sit down and talk. And if you don't like it, you don't even got to tell your coaches at Purdue. I mean, shoot, you, you're already committed. You rock and roll. Go do it. Well, we came down to the facility. Coach Anderson, the O-line coach, was there. Cliff Kingsbury, the offensive coordinator, was there. Coach Summer was there. And they, they showed us around. And, and Casey Keenum was obviously there. And so they – they gave us the whole tour and wine and dined us and did the whole thing. And, man, I would tell you, by the end of the day, it was like, am I really going to go to the other side of the country, to Indiana, to play football when I could do it right here in my hometown? <laughs> and uh, so, man, it was a tough phone call to make, but I called the coach of Purdue, decommitted, and uh, ended up going to U of H. And so it was awesome, man. You know, I, I spent three years there. Uh, I felt like as a player, you learn a lot about, you know, techniques and what to do and, and, and how to do it, but not necessarily – as much of, of why you're doing stuff. And so for me, the biggest thing was going from being a player to getting into coaching, you know, it was, it was amazing and eye opener to see like how much stuff goes on behind the scenes besides just what, you know, teaches, teach the kid how to block, catch, tackle, run, whatever. Um, so that was the, that was the biggest, the craziest part to me was seeing all the different things that go on once you go from being a player to being a coach. And so, you know, I graduated in 2014 and, uh, was actually I had talked to Coach Herman when he came in about finding a job and what I was going to do and you know as a player I never really even thought about coaching and uh, when I graduated I talked to Coach Herman and talked to a couple of alumni about medical supplies and uh, going into construction and doing some stuff like that and it was the summer when I had just gotten home and I was up at the local high school with my brother my younger brother was playing football at Magnolia West High School and I was up there working out with him and uh, Sean Bell was the head coach at the time. And me and him got to talk, and he said, well, hey, what are you going to do, man? You know, what, what are you thinking? And blah, blah, blah. And I just said, Coach, you know, right now I don't really have a great answer for that. I'm interviewing with some alumni. I'm kind of putting the fillers out there to see what's available. And he said, well, listen, I'll tell you this, Josh. If you come coach, number one, you'll get to be with your brother. And you'll get to coach him. But number two, you'll be doing something that you love. I mean, you football's been your whole life. You've been involved with it since you are a little kid. And, you know, obviously – uh, it's a great opportunity to stay close to home and to do what you love and to be able to coach your brother. He said, man, I think all that stuff is special and unique. And uh, so I went down, I, I got alternatively certified. I took the test and did the deal. And, and I actually didn't pass the fed test on my first attempt. Uh, I missed it by a couple points. And so I told Coach Bell, I said, hey, look, I'll catch you next year. You know, I'm going to go do some other stuff, pass this test. Once I got my certifications, I'll get involved. And he kept pushing, man. And he's a, I'm going to tell you, he's a big reason why I'm doing what I'm doing today because he, he kept on me. He stayed on me. He said, Hey, look, we'll, we'll make you a volunteer coach. I'll, I'll get you involved. I'll put you on staff, make you just like everybody else. Even though you're not certified, you can't teach a class. I'll find a way to get you into the classroom and get you on staff. And so that first year, I actually volunteered at Magnolia West for Coach Bell and really just kind of learned, like, like I was saying earlier, all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes as far as game plans, implementation of the plan figuring out what you want to do, how you want to attack people, all that type of stuff. And so um, had a great first year working for him. Uh, at the end of the year, he left. And so I, I, I actually came over to Magnolia High School 
and worked for my father-in-law who was a basketball coach at the time he had a uh, he had a health spot come open and so i i went past the health test i got on as a as a health teacher and basketball coach at magnolia high school i coached basketball that second semester and then uh throughout that semester i met coach Doty, who was the head football coach at magnolia at the time and i uh, built a relationship with him he had a spot come open on his staff and the following year i went and worked for him coaching offensive line and uh coach track so i did offensive line and track that first year uh man i i, I learned uh, so much immensely i mean coach Doty was the not only the head coach but he was the he was the play caller and he was offensive line coach and so you know i got to be in that meeting with him every day for two years and just kind of see like what he was doing how he was doing it why he was doing it you know i met coach bless he took us up to tulsa we met him he was doing a lot of the same exact stuff i met coach clemens who was at baylor was at houston it was at florida state um once again doing a lot of the same stuff and so uh, we we had success at Magnolia. You know, we were ten and two district champs and stuff like that. But seeing that this was what these guys were doing at the next level, they were having success with it not only at the high school level but at the college level. Kind of just made me realize, like, hey, you know, if I if I if I dig into this stuff and I figure it out, there's a there's a rhyme to the reason and it works. And so, man, I did that for for two years with Coach Doty, and then going into that third year. Uh, you know, he, he started having more trust in me, more faith in me. He started giving me more of the offensive line and saying, hey, look, I'm going to let it be your unit. You go coach those guys up. And, and he started getting involved in, in all the other things that were going on offensively at the time. And so, uh, man, just, it was awesome to have a mentor there, somebody that could help you, somebody that could show you, and somebody that, that had done it and had success with it. And so, uh, man, we were blessed. We had a, a great group of offensive linemen come through. We had uh, – we had four of the five offensive linemen in the 2018 South Division One scholarship. So, I mean, it was a, a special year for a high school offensive line having those dudes. And uh, Coach Doty left and it took the job at Stephenville after my third season. And uh, Coach Martin showed up at Magnolia. And uh, me and him hit it off. And I, you know, I had honestly planned to go with Coach Doty to Stephenville. We had, we made the trip. We talked about it. You know, we were, we were set in stone and we are going to go. And Coach Martin came in and was like, look, Mac, like, Let's talk. Let's let's see if it can work here before you just up and leave. And so, uh, you know, long story short, man, I, Coach Martin basically said, "Hey, look, if you, if you'll stay, uh, I'm going to make you the offensive coordinator." And you know, being that I'd only coached for four years, it was, you know, he took a huge leap on me, man, because it was like I said. I mean, I had been coached and I had been around some good people, but as far as as coordinating the whole offense and being in charge of the whole thing. Uh, it was something that was, was definitely forward to me. Uh, Coach Martin came from Temple where he was the offensive coordinator. And so once again, man, the good Lord blessed me with Coach Bell getting me into coaching. He blessed me with Coach Doty, let me cut my teeth and figure out what was really going on. And then when Coach Martin showed up, it was it was a game changer for me because now I went from, all right, what's the plan? How are we going to implement it with the offensive line to, okay, what are we going to do on Friday night in order to be successful? And uh Man, the last years have been awesome. Uh, the first year he was here, we went eight and four, lost in the second round to Highland Park, and then last year we were ten and two district champs and lost in the second round to Los Star Frisco. So, man, just seeing from the start of this deal to where I am now, man, I just I've been blessed to be around some really good people, learn some really good stuff, and we've been blessed with some really good kids that have had a lot of success in the box, you know, blocking people, keeping the queue clean, and uh, shoot, man, it's it's uh like I said, it's been a blessing to. To, to be around so many good people that have helped me along because uh, I only coach in five or six years, man. It, it feels like a lot, but like I say, when you learn it little by little and you got a good mentor, somebody right there teaching you, it's uh it's hard to beat that. So. Yeah, man. So, so my first question, I know I got a few for you, but my kind of my first question is being a similar situation, being an offensive line coach, um, you know, and, and trying to decide I was at a point last year, where you kind of were our head coach got fired he didn't get um you know he didn't get another job somewhere but um I get head coach gets fired I have some options to stay in Oklahoma to be uh, an OC at some places I have some options to stay in in Oklahoma to be an offensive line coach at some places and then obviously I've got a chance to come over and and kind of have some of those same situations in Texas uh and I decide to go with the offensive line job somewhere probably just where I fall back or I feel, or actually with the tight ends job, but went with a good spot that I could raise my family and then decide where I'm going to go from there. But I was in a spot where 
man, I don't know. Do I want to be an offensive line coach forever? Do I want to try to go be an OC? Do I want to set myself up to go be a head coach? I really looked at it and was in a spot where I had never had to think of that in my life because I'd assumed I'd be at the same spot, kind of move up wherever I wanted to in that area um, at my high school and, and go from there. So when that happened, I'm, I'm sitting there looking at myself like, I really don't know what I want to be. I, I've loved being an offensive line coach. I love new – I love these new challenges, but also I love coaching offensive line. Had that ever been a thought, like had you already mapped out, hey, I want to be an OC one day, I want to be this one day, uh, and then all of a sudden your head coach takes it, what was that process like for you deciding on, hey, do I want to go be an offensive line coach or, hey, I'm ready to go be an OC? Man, you know, to be honest with you, I hadn't really considered it. You know, like I was saying, in my first year, I really just kind of learned the basics. And then years one, or years two, three, and four is when I really started diving into it and figuring out, like, okay, what do we got to teach these kids to be successful? Once we teach it to them, how do we get them to go out there and execute it the way that we need them to? And then, like, in-game adjustments, man, like, you guys probably are dealing with the same stuff, but it's like, hey, if we, if we game plan all week for the odd front and we come out and they give us something different, what, what are we going to go to immediately and what do the kids need to know? And so in learning all of that, I, I never even really thought of, like, hey, what's my next step? What am I going to do next? I was so involved in, like, trying to figure that part of the game out that I never even considered, like, hey, once I've got the box blocked and I've got the quarterback clean and we got these kids doing what we're going to do, what's the next step? And so – when Coach Martin came and, and, he, and he presented me with that opportunity, there was a couple of big things that I really thought about. The first thing that I thought about was like, okay, I got an opportunity to go from being a, a position coach to being a coordinator, which is something I never really considered or thought of, but it was like, hey, man, this is a great opportunity. The second big thing that I thought of was like, okay, I got a great group of kids coming back. So like I was saying earlier, man, we had four guys on that line that were going to be Division One offensive linemen at high school. So we had Matthew Wyckoff that signed with Texas A&M at right tackle. We had Cade Bond at right guard who's at North Texas. We had Tristan Simpson at center who's at Texas State. And we had Derek Bowman, who, our left tackle, who ended up at Houston. And so I knew in the back of my mind, like, hey, it's a great opportunity. It's an opportunity to finish out with these kids what we started, and they've all got a chance to be probably the best group that I'll ever have. And then the, the last big thing that I thought of was, like, man, what a perfect opportunity to work for a guy because, you know, I knew some people where he was coming from. I knew some people from the surrounding areas. And Coach Martin had worked for Mike Spradlin. And Mike Spradlin was was uh, Coach Browse's offensive line coach at Houston uh, way back in the day. And so Coach Doty, the guy that I had worked for, had worked for Coach Spradlin. And Coach Martin had worked for Coach Spradlin. So the offense was the same offense. It's the Art Browse spread, RPO, shotgun quarterback, up-tempo, heavy A-gap, B-gap run game. Uh, it was the it was the state they're from the same tree so the offense was the same so I was super comfortable in what was going on on the offensive side of the ball and I was comfortable with the fact that obviously I got a great group of offensive linemen and I get to stay in my hometown you know I'm in Magnolia which is where I grew up my parents are here my wife's parents are here my brothers are here my brother my, my wife's brother's here I mean so we got a support system like no other um, and then it was just like it was like the good lord had laid it all out the way that it was supposed to be man because to have that good of a group, to have a head coach who's an offensive guy who can help you be a coordinator. I mean, the guy's coming from being an offensive coordinator at Temple, uh, and it's the same system. Now, obviously, there were some different verbiages, right? Like, he had kind of morphed it into his own, and so some of the stuff was a little different. But for the most part, I felt comfortable stepping into that role because, number one, he was an offensive guy. Number two, he came from the same system. And number three, I was like, shoot, man, I got the best freaking group of O-linemen I'm going to have out there in my career probably. So all those things kind of together. I mean, it was tough, man. I'll never forget. I called Coach Doty on the way home from Stephenville. We drove up, did the tour, went around, and I'd already kind of given him my word that I would come, and I just said, Coach, look, man, it's, I laid all those things on the table, and he said, Mac, you'd be dumb to walk with man. It's, a, it's too good of an opportunity to be true. And, uh, you know, now it's been – you shoot, you blink, and two years goes by, and I'm going to tell you, the things that I've learned, it, just being in that office with him and, and going through it with him, uh, you couldn't ask for a better mentor, man, because it's like, like I said, I mean, the guy's been an offensive coordinator. Now he's the head coach of the same offense. So anytime I got questions, anytime, anytime, you know, it's like, hey, what are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about that? I can go right in there and get it ironed out. And, uh, man, it's, it's, it's been a blessing for sure. So, well, and, and, and all Steve, that. Go ahead, Wall. Sorry. 
You're all right, man. I was just going to say, you know, in that offense, I mean, you know, knowing you've been in it a couple of years now, I would imagine you, you find out that it seems at least to be that a lot of it kind of fixes itself, you know, with, with a few option routes and checks and screens. And like you said, RPOs, you know, what are maybe some of the other things you've had to kind of learn to, to maybe, you know, quote, fix uh, and change as you've now been uh, not only an offensive line guy, but also now a play caller within that uh, system. You know, so it's, I'll say this, it's very difficult to defend the offense because number one, it's up tempo. Number two, we're always in the shotgun. So you've always got to account for the quarterback in the run game. And then with what we do in the run game itself, I mean, we got inside zone, we've got outside zone, we've got all of our gap team stuff, we've got buck sweep. Um, it's, it's, it's very difficult for someone to say, Hey, this is how we're going to stop Magnolia's offense. You know, you can, you can put some guys in the box and now we've got the ability to spread you out sideline to sideline and find some open windows. If you lighten that box up now, next thing you know, we're running the football at you. So it's with the RPOs and with the ability to run the ball and throw the ball at an up-tempo pace uh, with the little mixture of OTB plays in there, which is basically just like some weekly game plan type stuff that we like to throw in there. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's difficult. And, you know, one of the biggest things that I've taken from Coach Martin is, in my head, it's always like, hey, listen, what are they going to do and what are we going to do? And so, and what are we got? Right. So it's like you get a three man front team, you're going to run dart and you're going to run zone. You, and I have that in my head. Well, when I would go to meet with Coach Martin, it's like, hey, what's the plan for this week? It's like, well, Coach, we want to run dart, we want to run zip, we want to run, you know, inside zone. And, and Coach Martin's like, I know, Mac, but out of each formation, what are they anticipating? And it's, it's zone, it's, it's, it's dart, and it's, you know, zip. And so we're, we're able to take what we've been successful at, what we've done well, and manipulate that to make it look similar but have a little wrinkle off of it. And and so now you've taken what you've been successful at, what they've prepared for, and you show them what they think's coming, and then you add a small wrinkle to it. And that, to me, has been my biggest area with Coach Martin of growth is going, hey, what are we good at? Yes, that's what we need to do. But then, B, how can we manipulate what we are good at in order to make that more successful with them thinking they're getting something but giving them a different little wrinkle to it? So. It's uh, I mean, the offense has worked everywhere you see it. I mean, we went to Houston. They were doing it with Coach Browns and Coach Clemens. Uh, those guys went to Ole Miss last year with Levy and Clemens. They've been doing it up there. Uh, Montgomery and Blesh did it at Tulsa. Now Blesh is doing it up at North Texas. I mean, everywhere you look from the college ranks on down, uh, it's, it's, it's very difficult to stop. And I think there's obviously uh, a big reason why we've been so successful with it because you've got so many different options to do so many different things on a weekly basis. So, well, and it's so so we're kind of that we're kind of doing that same uh, Bryles type uh, you know system, and the the crazy part about it is how secret of it all is, right? Like it, it's like no one wants to talk about it. It's kind of a a stark contrast from where I've been in the past, where we're very much you know heavy personnels and big, and most of the places we we go to and go around are very open about talking about all their stuff, and here it is, and it's all on the table. Um, and, and the Brile system guys do help out, but it's like its own little club. It's like its own little, don't talk about these certain things and you can only talk about these certain things and, um, don't use these words. It's, um, it's kind of a cool, I don't know if it's cool is the right word, but it's kind of a different, a different little thing. hundred percent, man. And, and that's what I go, I keep going back to it, man, but I've been so blessed to, to be around so many good people. So Coach Doty, the guy that I worked for the first three years, and Coach Blesh were offensive linemen together at Houston. So those guys are close. So when we would go to Tulsa, you know, coaches would show up, they'd put them in the film room and say, here's some film, you guys watch it. Well, Blesh would open the door to the offensive line room and say, y'all come in here and listen. And, um, you know, Coach Blesh worked at Temple High School where Coach Martin came from. Like I said, Coach Spradlin, who was the head coach, and came from, from Houston in the Browse system. And so um, being around those guys and seeing how they do it and why they do it and the way that they do it, I mean, you take what they do and, and you apply it to what you're doing. And next thing you know, you look up and you, you got 5,000 yards of offense and 2,500 rushing yards in 10 games. And so it's like uh, it, it's, it's, it's been very successful for us and everyone else that's used it. But I would have to agree with you, Harp. Like, I mean, I think – a lot of people are kind of closed-lipped on it, but, um, you know, to me, it, it ain't no huge secret. You know, if you ask any of the DCs that are breaking it down and watching this, they, they have a pretty good idea of when we get in this formation, they're going to get this or they're going to get that. Um, and that's why I think it's been key to, to, to be around Coach Martin and learn, like, hey, look, 
these are the formations we're going to get into. They know it. We know it. This is what we're getting out of those formations. So let's do that. But let's have these wrinkles in there to where we can kind of throw off what they've prepared for. Right. No. And, and that's really the part that I was going to, that I wanted to get to is just how, how awesome it was for you to, to be into that spot. And with a guy like, you know, be able to go to see Blesh and, and those guys open the door because they don't necessarily open the door for everybody. Um, and so it, it's kind of a cool deal to be a part of um, now that I'm learning about all this, because, it was all four, and I knew nothing about it. So, uh, and it's cool now that me and you get to talk a little bit about it. Um, so, my big question too now kind of came back to your playing days, um, and not just you necessarily, but my big question is, and you weren't one of these guys, but you see a lot of of JUCO skilled guys and defensive guys make the transition to Division One football, and they flourish and they do an awesome job, right? Like we can count those guys. It's hard to even count how many great juco guys we had come and and be studs at houston um but for some reason it seems like and like i said you weren't one of these you had a lot of play you got to play a bunch but junior college offensive linemen have it seems a lot more difficulty making that transition and maybe i'm wrong maybe it's just the the few things that i've seen but it seems to be a tougher transition to go junior college offensive linemen to um to a four-year program is do did you see that seeing other guys leave you know like I said I don't didn't know a ton of junior college guys maybe it's just the few that I saw did you see that a lot from guys that you look back on junior college offense alignment and, and if that is the case and, and you've been through it why is that a difficult or why is that a difficult transition going from a junior college offense alignment because you're still playing freaks I mean you're playing freakier guys at junior college why is it such a hard transition into division one from junior college as an offensive yeah, lineman, you know, I think I think there's a couple of factors that play into that. Number one, I think is it's a, it's a maturation process, right? Like it takes time for a kid to go from a 17 year old high school kid to being a, a 18, 19, 20, 21 year old grown man that can go out there and play Division one college football, right? And so I think a lot of that has to do with a it's that maturation time. You know, a guy gets in the program. He learns the program. He learns the system. He learns what to do. And usually, you know, now obviously you're a little different, right? I mean, freshman All-American, all that type of stuff, which is very rare to see. Most guys, it takes them two to three years to be ready to play the big boys on Saturday, coming out of high school or even out of junior college. Now, I think a lot of times when the junior college guys come in, there's a natural inclination that, hey, you're, you know, you got two to three years left of eligibility. You've already kind of used that buffer area. So you better be able to walk in the door and be a player. And I think a lot of times it's just that, hey, I, they need some time to kind of get comfortable in that new system and learn what it is that that offensive line coach is asking them to do and then be able to go out there and compete against guys that have been in the program for three, two, however long, you know, a couple of years under their belt in the program. So it's a, to me, I think it's harder for those guys because of that maturation time to just walk in the door and be better than a guy that's already, you know, been there for a couple of years. I think that's the first thing that I think the second thing is, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a position where you've got to be able to do things at a high level and, and, and think fast and, and operate at a high tempo, you know, especially with us at Houston. I mean, I, I can remember uh, Cliff running up and down the sidelines screaming tempo as loud as he could. And, and then guys saying, get up there and get set, get up there and get set. And so, you know, you're, you're, you're thinking fast. The fronts are changing on you. There's a lot of movement on the defense. You know, and most junior colleges are going to give you a 4-2 box. Some guys are going to line up as a three technique. They're going to stay three technique, and they're going to go to work. As to where you go to the Division One level, well, now it's like every single play you've got to be able to digest. Okay, what is the play? Which way do I have to go? What technique do I need to use? What is the front? Who am I responsible for? You know, I think a lot of that stuff uh, is tough for a lot of people. And, I um, mean, obviously – the classroom, you got to move, you, you know, you're in a new location, all that type of stuff. So I think all of that kind of culminates and makes it tough for a lot of junior college offensive linemen to come from junior college to step into a division one program and be successful. I gotcha. Yeah. I mean, that makes, that makes completely, you know, complete sense. Um, and, you know, that makes it tough too. And, and I'm kind of curious too, and I know this isn't about coaching, but did you see a bunch of different type of guys at the junior college level? I mean, it was like, I would assume guys like you who are division one players, but you know, didn't qualify there. You've got guys that are, um, you know, maybe 
bounce backs like we had a few uh, at Houston that kind of went to four years and, and had to go junior college because they didn't make it division one. And then you probably also got the guys that just aren't done playing college football yet. Uh, you guys played some real, real freaks at the junior college level. Like I said, I think better than a lot of the guys that we played against at Houston. I mean, we, we saw our share of freaks at times, but I mean, there's some teams you guys got to go against that were really, really special. And then not to mention, like you've already talked about, you played with one of the greatest quarterbacks uh, in college history, which uh, it was, uh, I'm sure, an awesome deal as well. No doubt, man. I mean, they're, they're, when you say freaks, I mean, you're, you're literally going to see a guy on a week-in, a week-out basis that's either A, been a Division One football player, or B, should have been one. And I'll never forget, you know, getting down there and you start to play and everyone are, everyone's getting recruited, right? I mean, the, the, the door of Division One coaches is literally revolving. I mean, there's four or five guys a day coming down there, especially after you win a national championship. We have a guy like Cam Newton come out. He goes to Auburn and tears it up and is a beast. Next thing you know, every recruiter in the country is like, well, hell, what's going on in Brenham, Texas? So now all these dudes are coming in, and <laughs> you're just another guy. You know, you're not getting recruited. And so it's like, well, what the hell's going on? And we went down to Navarro, and, and they had a defensive end named Toby Jackson, and he had probably, I don't know, 25 Division One offers. And uh, fortunately for me, I had a good game that week. And I'm not kidding you, the next Monday, my phone started ringing. The guy at UNLV called me. He offered me a scholarship. And within probably, I don't know, two weeks, I had like 10 D1 offers. And once you get the first one, the rest of them start rolling in. And, you know, once somebody in a conference offers you, everybody else in the conference is like, why did they offer him? We need to call him. And so – I mean, I literally went from nothing to everything within a uh, a two-month span. And by the time the season was over, I mean, it was full-blown, like, hey, let's set some visits up. Are you going to come here? Are you going to go there? Are you interested? Are you not? And so, I mean, at that point, it's like, shoot, man, how do you even decide? Like, <laughs> like I said earlier, I mean, everyone's selling you the goods. So, it's like everyone's got an indoor. Everyone's got nice uniforms. Everyone's going to put you on scholarship. Everyone's going to give you a chance to go to the NFL and get a degree. So, how do you separate, like, the – which school to go to, you know what I mean? And so right. um, it was definitely a whirlwind, man, but there's being at a place where you're around good people and you get an opportunity to face good people. If, if you're, if you're doing what you need to be doing, then, then you're going to have every opportunity in the world to, to play those guys that are special and, and have a chance to, you know, spotlight what you can do and, and get out there and, and get freaking recruited. So, so um, I, I'm kind of curious going back to, to coaching football, man, uh, and not a lot of people have this this problem, and it's a good problem to have. But you've got four guys that are Division One offensive linemen, so you've got those guys, and then I'm sure you've got guys that are freshmen that you're also trying to develop to be just to maybe play on the JV team. You know, so such a huge difference in skill set at the high school level when you've got some dudes on the team. You know what I mean? And so you're trying to not slow down your division one guys, but also you can't coach your JV kids to the same, the same, you can't coach them the same things that you're coaching your division one kids at either uh, because they're on different levels and at different, such different levels. How did you try to balance that? How did you try to really get everything you could out of your really good kids, but also develop those younger kids knowing that you're going to lose those division one kids at some point? Right, man. I think you know. To me, it's 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 tough to say that there was really a discrepancy between them. Obviously, their ability was a lot different, but I mean, the expectation and the standard. And Coach Martin says it all the time: the standard is the standard. We're not dropping it for anybody. And I mean, what we do, I mean, they're all going through that same drill. You know, we're going over there. And we're working forty fours, and we're working the boards, and we're working the shoots, and we're working the sleds. I mean, it, every one of them guys is doing the same thing. Now, obviously when you turn the practice tape on and you go watch inside runs, those guys are executing at a different level. Yeah. And, and they're, they have the ability to grab people and just physically dominate them more than the other kids. But to me, you teach a, a right guard and a right tackle out of zone combo, a four eye up to an overhang. I mean, they're all getting the same coaching. Now the, the benefit for me was, you know, you tell a kid that's a Division One player, like, hey, listen, I need you to go lap vert with your one-two. I want you to rock him with your inside shoulder and have your eyes on your backer and exit when he threatens you. You know, that's going to get done at a high level. And so, um, you know, it, for me it was great because you would tell those kids something to do, and then they would go freaking do it. And then the rest of those kids now see. It's like, hey, listen, 
great job on that clip. And then you go to the next clip and it's the twos and the threes and it's not that way. It's like, Hey, listen, why aren't we doing what they're doing? I mean, you guys are all getting the same coaching. I'm telling them the same thing you're telling them. You're, you're going through the same drills. Those guys are going through. They're getting everything that you're getting the exact same. How come he's doing it right? And you're not, you know what I mean? And so then it becomes kind of like inherent to those kids. Like, Hey, listen, there's a standard and we're going to have to do it this way. Um, and then, you know, even from the technique, the technical side of things, yeah, obviously, but then just physically dominating people. It's like, Hey, listen, you want to go be a college football player? Watch this. And then suckers would go out there and lift somebody up and plant them. And it's like, well, yeah, coach, he's six, five, 300. And it's like, well, that's what it takes. You know, you're going to have to do things technically sound. You're going to have to give great effort and you're going to have to put people down on the ground. And if you do that, you're going to give yourself every opportunity to play as much football as you want to play. So as far as coaching them any different, I don't, I think necessarily the standard was a standard, right? So there wasn't a whole lot of difference between what they were getting but obviously the performance, you know, you go out there on Friday night and you run power to the right, and there's a three technique there. They know they're in trouble, right? So they're, they're rolling a safety down. They're getting that overhang in the box now because they know that guy's going for a ride. The guard's coming around for the front side backer, and if we kick out the end, we're getting 10 yards, and there's no stopping it, you know? So it's uh, it's been – I mean, it's been, it was unbelievable for sure to have those guys. But, you know, even last year, we, we, we didn't have the, the Division One guys. You know, we got a left tackle that's got a chance to be one, and we got a, a couple kids that will get in there and scrap with you. Um, but to me, man, it's, it's all about the fundamentals. It's all about doing things the right way. And if those kids understand how to get their feet in the ground, have good leverage with body lean, and grab a hold of five dudes, keep them inside out, I mean, you're always going to have a chance to be successful. So. Coach, man, that's awesome. You know, love to hear, like, like you said, I mean, you know, hey, you, not only do we have great football players, we, we have guys who, who literally are living that standard and they become the example for those younger players. Um, can you talk a little bit more about, you know, kind of how, you know, the Bryles system has, I feel like it's evolved. I mean, when I think of Art Bryles, you know, I think of, you know, Baylor and it was like watching, you know, the, the Texas State track meet. They got the four by one team out there you know, running verticals and things like that. And it was a lot of 10 personnel, whereas now you've really seen it evolve into a lot more of the sniffer, the move fullback. You know, I heard you guys talking, you know, hey, we're, we're running, you know, more gap scheme. We're running, you know, buck sweep and things like that. You know, is that something when you're an offensive play caller now, like, hey, automatically we're starting out, you know, whether you want to call it 11 or 20, we're developing that sniffer type dude. And, and then we're going to have three receivers, uh, have you even graduated more? Are you guys running some 12 personnel? I guess I'm interested to kind of hear, you know, maybe your kind of philosophy on it and, and how we're automatically, yeah, we're going to develop a sniffer. We're going to have a guy like that all the time and build from there. Well, you know, when, when Coach Martin first came to Magnolia, we had a defensive end that was a sophomore. He was, uh, I don't know, second team all district, a sophomore year, and was really going to be a big part of the defense. And Coach Martin right away said, hey, we need to have a fullback in this office that can play the sniffer back and the tight end. He can do both. And so we started right away developing this kid. I mean, we brought him over to the offensive side of the ball. He would spend two days a week in Indy with me with the O-line, and he would spend two days a week in Indy with the slots. So he was learning how to block people, how to play in the box, and also how to be that plus one to where you could bump him out, you could play him at tight end, and you could also play him at H-back. And so um, that was big for Coach Martin, and and it's it's been super successful for us just because you have the ability to, to leave the same personnel on the field, but like get into different formations. And um, you know we're going to get in everything from three by one to tight. To I mean, uh, we we got just about every formation in the book uh, is in the offense. And um, you know to answer your question as far as uh, you know w which formations and what we want to do. Um, that's something else that I've taken a lot from Coach Martin is, is breaking tendencies. You know, we want to get into, uh, you know, an H set with a fullback, and we want to run inside zone. We want to run gap schemes. We want to run buck sweep. Uh, we want to use the tight end and, and block with the tight end in the run game. And, um, you know, with five offensive linemen that are, that are damn good, you know, in my mind, I'm like, hey, Coach, let's go to – we want to instantly go to this, this, and this, right? And Coach Martin's like, listen, Mac, you've got to, you've got to train your brain to go, hey, this is what we're good at, but this is also what they're prepared for. So what's a tendency breaker? You know, we went to Lufkin two years ago, and we hadn't been in five set all year. And we came out the first three series of the game, and we were in five set. And I think, it, yeah, they checked empty and got out of it, right? But it's, it's a, it's a, it breaks the monotony of, hey, this is what Magnolia's going to do. This is how we're going to prepare for it. And we're going to have the ability to stop them because we know when they get in three by one, they're going to go to this. And when we get in two by two, they're going to go to this, and so on and so forth. And so – Obviously, yeah, do what you do and do it well. 
but then still have the ability to break those tendencies and, and, and change the way that people have to prepare for you, you know? And so that's the, the offense is great because you can do just about anything that you want to be able to do. Um, and, you know, as far as the, the Baylor, you know, 10 personnel running those guys verticals, I mean, we, we've got that in there. We use that, but, uh, you know, we also try to build the offense around who our guys are. You know, who who do we have that's a playmaker? Who do we have that we need to get the ball to? And then how are they going to align to us defensively? And how can we take advantage of the mismatches that they're going to give us? So get our dudes the ball, do what we do and do it well, but then also have a manipulation of what you do so that you have the ability to go out there and say, hey, this week we're going to make them think we're running dart. We're going to pin and pull. And now we got the backers fitting and folding like you think they would, and we're going to throw a little slant right behind it. So to me, it's just little stuff like that on a weekly basis that you have the ability to do that gives people fits based off of what they think they're going to get and then what they're actually getting. So so here's my question, Coach, and I got a, some really good, I think, advice from somebody that was like, hey, you know, I know you're wanting to go be an OC, but you're an offensive line coach, and maybe it was horrible advice, but I took it as good. Hey, you're, you want to, you know, if you're looking at some OC jobs, you're a good offensive line coach. It's what got you there. Don't lose the, don't leave the offensive line completely. You still need to be at the offensive line even when you go be an OC. Um, how has, uh, I assume you're still working with the O-line from, from when we've talked. How is it trying to balance seeing everything as an OC, but then also still seeing just the offensive line and you know as well as anybody hey we got to make adjustments in game you got to look it it makes you feel better to yell out there hey watch this when you see something but then also see you know the the secondary or whatever else you're you're trying to look at um in the during a game try to see everything uh, is just in the jp games i've called uh extremely difficult Man, it's tough, and I'll say this. Uh, like I was saying earlier, Coach Martin came from Temple where he was the offensive coordinator. You know, so he, he's he been there step-by-step step with me through this maturation process. You know, obviously early on, that was my that was my go-to, right? Like, I can coach the O-line, I can block the box, and I can keep the quarterback clean. But I still had a lot of stuff to learn. I mean, I by no means had it all figured out. And Coach Martin, man, he – not only did he take me under his wing, but – like I said, man, he's been there right by my side the whole way. So he coaches our quarterbacks, you know, so he runs the quarterback meeting. And basically the the passing game, when we come up with a plan, him and I will sit down for, oh, shoot, five, six hours on Sunday and just talk run game. You know, every formation, every front that we're going to see, what do we like, what don't we like, what do we want to install, what do we want to do new this week, make sure me and him are on the same page with all that. And then as far as the back end stuff goes, you know, we've got our we've got our man beaters, we've got our zone beaters, and we've got our stuff that we like to go to, but same type of deal. If we see something in film that week that's like, hey, this could be something we could take advantage of, we can get in two by two, you know, we make a printout like, hey, how many and when we get in two by two, how many times have we done this route? How many times have we done this route? How many times have we done this? How many times have we done that? And you try to break those tendencies throughout the week. And so having Coach Martin there has been key because number one, he's handling all that back end stuff he's he's got the coverage he's got the quarterback he's got the read and then all i've got to do is get that box blocked so i got to figure out okay who's in the box who do we need to block who are we going to read and then like you said all your in-game adjustments as stuff's happening you've got those guys coming over you got a tight end fullback and five offensive linemen and you're going hey what do we need to do to be successful what are they doing to us that's giving us problems and then how do we problem solve that in the game so man and it's you know it's uh it's been a, it's been quite the journey learning all that stuff. And like I was saying earlier, I don't know if I would have felt as comfortable as I did um, stepping into that role, not having somebody that knows the offense, that's been a play caller and that's been doing it, and somebody that can put you under their wing and, and teach you and show you how that stuff's supposed to look. You've mentioned the offense is, is, has heavy RPO tendencies now. Uh, you also mentioned you guys doing some pin pull. Uh, so my kind of, I've, I've kind of got, Two questions with it. What are you doing uh, on backside of, of pin pull? Are you guys locking it so you can throw some RPO stuff? Um, and then also, when you guys are running RPOs, is that something that your line has to has to have like a thought process? Hey, we might throw this, so I've got to work a little flatter or slower. Or are you just telling them, hey, it doesn't matter if the quarterback doesn't get it out on time, it's on him. Yeah, man, we live with it. You know, we, we teach our right. guys to work heavy combos, come off the football, block the box. And, you, I mean, we probably had, in, in four years of doing it, we probably had five or six lineman downfield calls. And most of those end up being on 
you know, bootleg protections and stuff like that. Typically with the RPO, there's a pre and a post-snap read. So the quarterback knows right away, all right, my pre-snap read's telling me to do this. My post-snap read, if it doesn't happen the way that I want it to, is going to tell me to do this. And we train those offensive linemen up to say, hey, you're going to hear a play call. You're going to go your butt up to the line, and you're going to block the play call that's called. You don't worry about who we're reading or what else we're doing. There's five or six or seven, y'all, depending on what formation we're in, and this is who you need to block, and you need to go get them blocked. Um, as far as the backside of the buck sweep, you know, we don't do a lot of RPO and off of that. I like to send that backside tackle through the B gap. So if you got a three technique, cut him off. If you don't send him up to that backside linebacker, get everything pinned front side, get two guys pulling out of there, and let the back make it right. You know, we went up to, went up to Tulsa uh, two years ago, and Bless kind of set us down and walked us through that and showed it to us and explained it to us. And uh, Coach Martin hates stretch now. I mean, he, 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 ain't a, he ain't a fan of stretch just because it gets strung out a lot. And you don't get a lot off of it. Next thing you know, you're in second nine. And so the buck sweep has been good to us because we can get everything sealed inside out, get a hat on a hat with your outside receiver in your slot, and now it's up to your back to make a play. You know, you string them out and then hit them up underneath. Uh, we've had we've had quite a bit of success with the uh, with the pin and pull uh, the last two seasons. So, um, you know, I think it's been a nice little wrinkle. And that's, once again, why it's nice to know people and have those people that you can reach out to and that you can get stuff from because, shoot, if they're running it on Saturday, uh, there's a reason. I mean, it works. And so uh, having those dudes with having the ability that are, A, willing to share that knowledge, and then, B, uh, will take the time and sit down and explain it to you, man. It's been, uh, it, it's been a game changer for sure. As you remember, I'm sure, our big play, uh, you know, senior year was uh, pin and pull, right, with Gordy Shaw. How – I don't know if you – I don't barely remember back to that necessarily how we did everything. Is it, is it fairly similar – to the things that he taught, or is it quite a bit different? Man, you know, I, I honestly, I couldn't tell you. I, I can tell you that we, you know, we try to simplify it for our guys as best as we can. Obviously, with the front changes, things can change, but, uh, I mean, they call it pin and pull for a reason, right? So, <laughs> you know, typically, most of the time, we're going to do it with the tight end in the game, and we're going to pin, and we're going to pull. So, if you're covered, you're pinning. If you're uncovered, you're pulling. The thing that's the hardest for me to try to teach kids is, once I do pull, Who's responsible for what? Because you got an alley defender and you got a flat defender. And as those guys come, it's natural for a high school offensive lineman to look to his right. It's like, hey, there's a dude there. I've got to go block him. And next thing you know, you're cutting people loose. You know, you got to – it depends on the formation. Obviously, you have a slot out there that can block your overhang. So now your right guard's pulling out there to kick out, and your slot ends up blocking the overhang. And next thing you know, now your alley defender's coming down free hitting. So that's the biggest thing to me is just getting those kids to understand, hey, listen, if I'm pinning, I've got to step my inside foot, hand in the hip, i got to get my down block. And if I'm pulling, i got to understand who I'm pulling for. I'm checking the flat defender first, and then I'm working up to the alley. So, And then getting them to freaking run, man. I mean, you got to turn that thing, and you got to you got to haul tail because, I mean, those backs, I mean, we're, we're not the most nimble athletes on the field, and <laughs> them backs are coming now. I mean, they're hitting that thing running. So you got to get out there in space and, and, and turn the turn the boosters on and, let it play out how it's going to play out. But at some point I got to find somebody and get a hat on a hat. So are you, are you letting guys you know, cut? Are you letting guys cut on that? And then when they are pulling, are you telling them, Hey, outside shoulder, or are you just telling them, take him where he, where he comes? I tell them, take him where he comes. And because to me, the big thing is, is out there getting a hat on a hat. Now we haven't had a lot of success with cutting guys downfield, especially in the, in the spring, in the screen game. So we try to keep them up as best we can. Now, obviously, if I got a kid that's, you know, a 320-pounder and he struggles out there in space and all that type of stuff, I mean, we would we'd probably talk about trying to lay him down. But to me, if I get a hat on a hat and at least get that guy to, to make a decision whether he's going to go outside or go inside and I can get hands on him, then your back can cut off of that and make all that, make all that right. And with, with as much movement as you're getting laterally, a lot of times guys tend to overrun it anyhow. So I let them get mm. out there and overrun it. I just put a body on a body. And our back last year was dang good about sticking his foot in the ground and cutting it up underneath it. Uh, that's that's a, just kind of the way that I teach it. I'm not, I'm not big on cutting those guys out in the open field just because most of the time you miss. And I, I get it, they got to slow down. But to me, if you can get a hat on a hat and just get some cloth on that guy and not get a holding call, your back can make you right. Mm. Yeah, I, I think so, so much of that play, again, comes down to the back. You know, having a patient back, waiting for the second puller. And then, you know, like you said, if we just get hat on hat, it, it just turns into kind of like, for me, I always say it's like a punt return. You know, you're going to be in space. You're just going to go opposite the bad dudes and you just go make something happen. Uh, and, and a lot of no times I, I just feel like, I just feel like, you know, for them, it's like a gap scheme. You know I mean? They got a puller in front of them. They're, they're going to cut opposite. 
it's a little bit easier than the stretch play. You, you were saying that Coach Martin doesn't like stretch. I think he's already one of my best friends. I like that. I'm not a stretch guy either. I'm, I'm all about the pin pull too, man, especially if you're going to be in the gun. I just, I just feel like it, it adds so much you know, to it when you got offset gun. I think if you're going to be a stretch team, I really think you almost got to be you know, under center or pistol, in my opinion. No doubt. And you got to have some dudes that can roll back there. You know, you got to be able to get down there and hurt them in a hurry because if not, everyone's coming to the ball. There's, there's no doubt. And it's, it takes, you know, we've been stretch, um, last year and, and, you know, we'll see what happens this year, but it, it takes up just about all your time. If you want to be good at it. I mean, there's some guys that are really, really good at it and, um, it, it's gotta be your play and you've got to put a lot of time in to be really good at it. As you said, well, coach, um, kind of coming up on our, on, on our, on an hour now, uh, with the with the big break in the in between, but before we cut you loose, uh, thing I ask everybody is is when you're watching another team's offensive line, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? I think obviously, man, the biggest the biggest thing that that I would look for is is are they keeping people inside out, man? Can you get five dudes in between the ball carrier and yourself? And keeping those guys inside out. Now, anytime I anytime I'm inside out and I got hands on on five people, we got a shot in there. And so that to me is something that's big. I think a lot of people look for you know nastiness and offensive linemen that are finished and all that type of stuff. And I think that's great. But to me, I think that comes inherent to the player. I mean, guys either got that mean streak in them or they don't. You can coach it out of them. You can get that out of them. But I think that's something that just just people naturally have inside of them and they go out there and freaking get after people and finish them to the ground. But to me, the, the best staple of an offensive line coach is, hey, can I block that box and can I keep that quarterback clean? And when you do those two things, I think that's something to me that, that I would always say, hey, man, that dude does a great job of giving that back somewhere to be, getting the offensive line between him and the ball and keeping that quarterback clean when he's standing back there in that pocket. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.